You don't know what you don't know. And maybe that's where the fear lies in starting something new. You have this dream, you have this vision, you think you're gonna just build this thing. You go out on your own and you do it and you build it. And what you don't know is that you hate it. You didn't know it then, you know it now. Think that's not it? It is, it can happen. It happened to Erin Halper. She's next. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And so let's get cooking. So I think it's fascinating that there are people out there that who's, it's their job to help other people do their job better. And I know it's psychology and, and different things that we can do to, to help people, doctors that help people. But when business, when you can actually get in front of somebody who has something to offer and make them, give them a path to being able to offer that and give them a path to be successful. I'm just fascinated by that. And I've been even more fascinated ever since I met our guest here today for Dash of Grid. It's Erin Halper. She is the CEO of a company called The Upside. It is an award-winning community accelerator for consultants. She helps consultants become consultants. And I think that's fascinating. And I can't wait for you to meet Erin Halper. Erin, welcome to Dash of Grid. Wow. Thank you so much for that awesome intro and thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more. You and I talked a little bit and it just wet my whistle for all the things that you do. And I think I'm going to keep you after the show for a little while to dig in a little deeper because uh, I'm just really fascinated by what you do. And so let's talk about that a little bit. Tell me, tell our audience a little something about the success of The Upside. Brag a little bit. Um, Tell me what's going well uh, for you and your organization. Well, let's just say that the past 12 months, so the year 2020 and into 2021, it it was just unbelievable for my business for a few different reasons. Um, So listen, the struggle was real back in the day. I'm not going to lie. All anyone sees is the success that it is today, and they don't know anything about what it took to get to that point, but it Mm -hmm. is truly in my eyes and how I define success, a true success today. And a lot of it was accelerated by COVID. You know, we are in the business of connecting consultants to one another through a community. We are also in the business of accelerating consultants in their business. And a lot of people in 2020 decided, well, it is now or never, people. It is now or never. Like, it, times are tough. You know, I either got laid off or I hate my situation even worse. And if I'm going to try something out on my own, now's the time to do it. And what better way to go out on your own than to consult? Because it is just about the lowest risk possible business you can start. It takes no money, like no investment, no outside parties. You can just literally hang up your shingle and start. Um, And a lot of people decided that. So today we have... Um, almost we're getting up close to 200 members and that's our community where we connect members to each other. We provide programming and then we launch our accelerator program twice a year and we're expected to quadruple those numbers this year. Fantastic. And I, and I, I just think it's so cool that in this world that people were forced into some kind of an action. I mean, this 2020 was a crossroads and, and unfortunately, a lot of people got left off to the side of that and not sure what to do. But there were others that said, I've, I've got to do 
something. I've got to make that choice. And there you were. And I just think that's really cool that that uh, you had the foresight, perhaps, to be able to offer this because it would have been different had there not been a COVID for you, correct? It would have been slower. I mean, yeah. we were we were still growing every quarter. Every quarter we grew. However, COVID, we grew by 400% in, yeah. in just a few months. And, and you hit the nail on the head. It just accelerated what was already happening. But COVID, you know, people just said, you know, I have to do something. And do I really want to go back to a full-time job? Or do I really, I'm working from home anyway now. So for some people, the Band-Aid got ripped off. And they were like, okay, well, now I'm working from home. The hardest part is already done. I'm home. I'm here. I'm independent. Do I really need to be working for a company or can I work for myself? And I think a lot of people had that conversation. And and the other question is, do I bet on myself or do I bet on my company, bet on the company I'm working for? Yeah. And so is that uh, is that what you do? Like, why do people need you? If I'm good enough to be a consultant, why can't I just be a consultant? What's the reason they come to you and what what service do you provide to them? Well, you can try. And I'd say <laughs> out of 100 people, one once in a while, there'll be one that just has a knack for it. And yeah. um, they just, you know, start off strong. They seem to be a natural. They know everything. The problem is when you're an employee for so many years, or even an entrepreneur, like a product-based entrepreneur, the, the world of consulting, the success of a consultant does not require the same skills as success as an employee. Mm totally different skill set. People think I'm just going to go out on my own and just be my awesome old self doing the great work I've always done. It's a business. It is not the same as being good at your job as an employee. You're not interviewing for jobs anymore. You're prospecting clients. And what does that look like? So a lot of people run into problems, closing clients, prospecting clients, because it's not interviewing for a job. It's a completely different framework. Also, people like you, you've been working for 20, 30 something years and you can do a million different things. So they think, oh, I'm going to offer all these things because I'm so good at all these things. Yeah. That's great as an employee, but as a consultant, you need to be super focused and be known for one thing. So it's in a lot, a lot of ways, you're providing the same work you did before, but the frameworks for how you position yourself and how you get the work are almost the complete opposite as when you're an employee. And that's what people get wrong. Not to mention, people have zero clue how to value their services and how to price themselves properly. There's a dozen different pricing structures that you can use. How do you know which pricing structure to use and how do you know which price to charge and how do you communicate your value to a client? Because the prices are a lot higher than when you're an employee and it's hard for people to get their minds around that and to get their minds around the value that they're providing as a consultant versus an employee and then how to communicate the value to the client. Very interesting that the the last thing that I think about as a potential consultant is the fact that I really don't know how to be a consultant. I know what to do. And so a consultant needs a consultant, much just like my customer would hire me to be a consultant. I need someone to show me how to do it first. So I imagine that listeners are out there thinking, eh, another internet business, another subscription business, great idea. 
that's lucky. Good for her. That must have been easy. And so we're going to prove them wrong because this is a dash of grit. And I know there were hurdles and struggles that you had to overcome along the way. So it's a success now, and it's going to become a bigger success moving forward. But what were some of those hurdles that you had to overcome along the way? Well, first and foremost, the business didn't start with this model. The business started as a client consultant matching platform because I knew that the biggest pain point for people was closing clients. I knew that and I knew I was really good at it. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'll go find the clients. I'm good at that. I'll close, I'll help close the clients. I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. And a few things happened. Number one, all I did all day long was negotiate contracts, which I did not want to be doing. I, I just didn't enjoy that whatsoever. Second of all, the demand from the client side was not there. So I was generating that demand. And when you start a business, you need to have an existing problem that you're solving. Yeah. And on the client side, there wasn't an existing problem. It was on the consultant side. And then the third thing that happened was the consultants had no clue how to position themselves in front of clients. So I would get the clients in, I would pitch the clients, they'd say, yes, great, we want to meet this guy, Brian, that you told us about, wonderful. They meet Brian and Brian bombs Mm -hmm. because Brian has not been trained on how to speak to clients. And then it's your fault. has been trained. on how to be an employee. Yep. And it's a totally different skill set. And so I was coaching people on having the right confidence, what to say, how to close the client. And I finally just said, this is ridiculous. I could not believe that no one knew this stuff. You know, what came naturally to me did not come naturally to other people. So I switched the business model 18 months into starting the company. Was the business successful at that time no. as far as dollars and cents? No, you weren't no. making money at all. No, okay. oh, well, we are making money, but it wasn't what I would consider a success. It was what when, when you say, did I, you know, was it a success? To me, a success is when the funnel becomes wider, yeah. companies start coming to you, people are knocking on your door. The demand was not there. We were making money because I was manually creating the opportunities. And that's it was the point. All on me. That's the point I want to make. I want to find it because a lot of folks want to start their own thing. They want to jump out on their own. They've got this experience and they want to jump out and do it. And you did that. You saw a need. You thought you had it met. Otherwise, you wouldn't have done it. You thought it was right. You jumped in and you went hard to work. It turned out to be something completely different than what you expected. However, there's not a whole lot of safety nets for an entrepreneur. You don't succeed all the time, every single time. And so you had to make a decision. Okay, I did this, but I got to do it again because this didn't work. How did that make you feel at that time? Are you are you worried about maybe failing and going back? And what, what's your thought process as you're launching this thing that didn't work for you? Well, okay. So when I first started the business, when I still had my head screwed on straight, you know, before <laughs> I really got into the weeds of it all, I knew enough to know it was going to be difficult. And okay. so I made a decision on day one, I'm going to give this three years, no matter what, because I thought to myself, putting my business hat on, this thing is going to take about three years before it becomes what I consider successful. And what do you know, a year and a half into it, 
was like the lowest of the low point where I was like, this just is not working. All the work I've done to date, it's so manual. It's not running itself yet. And I don't see anywhere in sight where that's going to happen with this business model. And I hated it. I actually didn't like going to work every day. And I'm like, this is not why I started this company. So I took two weeks off and redesigned the whole business model. And from the front, it looked like we just kind of transitioned a little bit. But on the back end, I started from scratch, <laughs> literally from zero, because there was nothing on the back end that I could leverage into the new model. But I'm glad I did it because a year and a half after that, so now I, I hit the three-year mar three mark last year, and we popped the champagne. I was mm -hmm. like, we are super profitable. We made it through that hump. We have a business model that people love. We have, you know, I, I get handwritten notes. I get handwritten, handwritten letters of thank yous. This changed my life. Thank you for connecting me to this person. Thank you for helping me with my pricing. I get that all the time. And to me, that's the success, but I had to get through that major, major bump. I mean, it was major. It was, it was, I mean, starting over after a year and a half is hard because that first year and a half is hard enough as it is. And knowing I'd have another year and a half of that type of grit and that type of difficulty was not easy. I'm not going to lie, but and also being you? a mission driven company okay. helped, helped propel me forward. I'm like, there are people who are depending on me to get this right. That's what I want to know about. Is it the mission and the goal and the fact that you wanted to do this thing? Or was it the three-year commitment that you made to yourself that allowed you to say, look, I'm going to scrap this whole thing and I'm going to redo because, Aaron, you could have scrapped that whole thing and started something else, but you took this thing that didn't work. You decided to make it work. Is that because of your vision or is that because of your promise? It was a combination of the three-year commitment that I made mm -hmm. to myself, plus the mission, which was really to help professionals have a flexible career where they make where they're valued. Mm -hmm. You know that that was really what drove me from the very beginning, and um, and then of course my own ego, which was I don't want to fail at this. I don't want to fail, and. The only way not to fail is to keep on going. You know, I've got to keep on going. I didn't want to fail, um, again, for my own ego and my own pride. I wanted this to be a huge success, and I knew the potential was there. And I knew if I quit, I would have always regretted it. And where where does it come from, this drive to help those feel valued? Was there a time in your career where you didn't feel valued and you said, you know, I've got to be able to help somebody with this? So like, where, where does that drive come from for, for you to help people in that generation? The mission came out of, not from myself, because okay. I had a great work experience and worked with awesome people for awesome people um, over the years. And I had no complaints there. And I was a consultant. I, I started my own consultancy. I, I ran that for seven years mm -hmm. while I was having my kids, but I started it without knowing any better or knowing any different. I didn't no one at that time, I didn't know anybody else who was consulting and I didn't know it was going to be difficult. So it wasn't because, 
You know what I mean? I didn't know any different. And so I was able to run that for seven years. I had great clients. But what happened was getting into my mid-30s, I started seeing more and more professionals, mostly women, dropping out of the workforce. I mean, like very successful people dropping out of the workforce because they felt like they had to choose between working full time and not working at all. Everyone was so stretched thin. They were juggling everything. Their households, unlike mine, were not divided equally. The work was not divided equally. I took that for granted. I didn't really mm. think twice about it. I didn't think people ha- didn't have that in their home. My husband and I divide up all the responsibilities equally. And other people apparently didn't have that. So they were coming home, dealing with kids, baths, dinner, bedtime. And then they were like tanked at the end of the day. And they finally just said, this is, I've had enough. I can't, who can do all this? It's crazy. And I said, oh, well, why don't you consult? (laughs) And they said, that sounds great. How do I do that? And so informally, I would start teaching people what I was doing, and and then they would start coming back and saying, oh, my God, I took your advice, and it worked, as if they were shocked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes, it does work. I told you it's not that hard. Anybody can learn how to do this. Yeah. And little by little, I realized this is a thing. This is not the solution, but it is a solution for many people to be able to leverage the amazing career and relationships that they built over the past 10, 20, or even 30 years into a business that is almost zero risk and all reward. You know, one of the things that I've, that 2020 has taught me is that I know very little about reality of other people's situations. And, and you can say it, I, I think I learned it about, I think we all learned it about race um, I, I think I am learning it now. I, I heard in the news, I assume you'll validate this, that a lot of the job loss in 2020 at the corporate level and things were from female positions. They were forced to go home or stay home or, or felt like they needed to do, or I don't even know why that is. The question I'm going to ask is that, is that driving, are more women being consultants now because they have a lot more to offer? Are they finding that as an opportunity? And and also at the same time, what grit do women need to show different that maybe we don't understand? Maybe I, <laughs> I won't uh, paraphrase, uh, don't understand that they have to go through just to, just to play ball in the same ball yard as everybody else. Okay. So you just asked me a few different things and yeah. I'm going to touch on on as many of them as I can. First of all, I'm surprised you're saying that you don't know why or you're not totally aware of why it's mostly women who have lost jobs during yeah. COVID. The answer to that is very complex and multi-layered. However, I will say that most households, in most households where there is a husband and a wife, in those situations, typically the wife takes on more of the household work in almost mm-hmm. all situations, yeah. by the way, but especially in situations where the man earns more. But because women typically earn around 70 cents to the dollar that a man earns, even if the husband and wife were in similar positions, she statistically will end up making less than him. Mm-hmm. So you have a situation where it's not equal in the household and 
when, uh, you know, when the everyone's stretched to their limits, someone has to give it up and it's going to be the woman, usually because she's earning less and usually because the lion's share of the household duties were on her in the first place. Mm. Is that fair? No. no. Should it change? Yes. Are there things that we can do about it that are in our control? Absolutely. But there is a cultural problem between a lot of spouses and families. There's guilt for women, not for men. I can tell you that. There's guilt where men just don't have that same feeling. I saw a meme last week that a lady was basically saying, you know, guess how many times, you know, if I had a nickel for every time a man or someone asks me who's watching my kids while I'm at work, and how many times do you think my husband has ever been asked that question? Mm. Zero. Yeah. Yep. It's just it's not fair. It's not no. fair. And, and and it's a shame. It will change eventually, but not for our generation. I can tell you that. So that was a big, big piece of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 what kind of grit then would a would a, a woman consultant, what else does a woman need to be successful? now that you can help them with to become a consultant and to kind of fill that gap. Because if that's what happens, then that's what you're here for, right? Let's get us back on our feet and let's move us forward and do the things that we're great at doing anyway. And if a consultant is that spot, what what extra challenges are they going to have in that role? And by the way, I will note, I work with men as well. So it's an interesting, it's interesting <laughs> to see the differences in the two of them, but yeah, in men and women. But what type of grit do women need to be successful as a consultant and to get a different. leg up? Yeah, different than a man. I'm, I see this is conversations going far different than I thought it would, but that's okay. Um, I'm just interested in in grit in all places, and I'm wondering for a, for a woman employee that's not uh, that, that hit the crossroads and 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 got knocked off. And this consultant opportunity is a great one. What are the extra challenges that they're going to have to overcome? Well, the first one is confidence. I see a big lack of confidence in understanding your value, understanding your worth. What happens is after 10 years or 20 years in the workforce, you have encountered as a woman all of these micro abuses. And men encounter them too, by the way. It's not just women, but women a lot more than men. Small little micro abuses from your employers. Things like, you know, you ask for a raise and you get 30% of what you thought you'd be getting. Mm -hmm. You realize that you're paid 25% less than your male colleague. You are up for a review. You get a glowing review, but you don't get the promotion. You get passed over. You negotiate, you know, you're going in for a new job and they throw out a number and you try to negotiate and they say, there's a line out the door of people who want this job. And so you just take it, you take what they offer because you're scared that they will go with someone else or change their mind about you. And this is all the time, every year over a course of a decade or two decades, you get spit out of the corporate machine, not having a ton of confidence in yourself. And that is the biggest thing they have to overcome, the biggest grit that they have to go through. However, it's learned and confidence can be learned. I have taught the 
most chewed up, spit out people from corporate a ton of confidence. Sometimes it's just in the vernacular. You know, I've heard someone, in fact, I had an open office hours on Clubhouse on Monday and someone said, yeah, I just started this little consultancy. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I know you don't realize you just said this, but you just said a little consultancy. Why did you say little? It's like these defense mechanisms. It's this like humble that, you know, women tend to want to be humble. Women tend to want to have their, um, their accomplishments recognized by others, which happens 1% of the time. That's a statistic. 1% of the time, your employer will proactively recognize your merit and reward you for them. You have to ask for these things. And women just are not trained for it or they've been shot down so many times that they, they're just tired and they don't, they don't understand what they should ask for, if anything. So the confidence is the absolute foundation to being strong as a consultant. It just becomes part of the part of the culture. And so I'm interested then what can you share with with our listeners about your situation? You became an entrepreneur. And so you went out on your own and did your own thing. Are there challenges that a woman has to go through that are different than a man who's trying to do it on their own? Yes and no. I mean, I would say, first of all, I didn't raise capital. I never wanted to raise capital. I came from that industry. So I knew better. I knew that if I raised capital, it meant I had a boss. Um, I did not get into entrepreneurship to have a boss. And I made the conscious decision that I was going to grow organically and grow slowly as an alternative to raising capital and growing very fast. Um, that's not sexy. A lot of people don't want to hear that. It's not sexy for press or any of that. But you know what? Four years later, I have a super healthy, profitable business that I love with 100% equity and no boss. Yeah. So, you know, as, as but, but here's the thing. The difference between a man starting a business and a woman starting the, a business. Yeah. The advantage and something a lot of people don't want to talk about, but it is true. The advantage is that the expectations for a woman's success is much lower. Hmm. So when a man starts a business, there's a lot more pressure. He may be the, um, you know, the, the main earner in the household, or he may, I don't know, but the point is the expectations are actually lower Hmm. for a woman's success. Therefore, I think that I use that to my advantage. I'm like, oh, great. Like you have low expectations for me. Awesome. Me. Then then <laughs> it just takes the pressure off of me. And I can just, anything I do that's, that is successful will just surprise you. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times, not anymore, but I'd say up until the three-year mark, if I had a nickel for every time someone asked me, how many hours a week I work. Oh, is this like a, do you work on this full time or like part time? Uh, and I'm like, what in the world gives you the impression that this is a part time job or like a side hustle? God forbid. Yeah. I'm like, I don't understand why. Do you ask my husband if he works in his business full time? Yeah. Cause I don't think you do. It's assumed. But when it's a woman, it's assumed that it's a little hobby, that it's just like a little, 
you know, like cute little business that you've got on the side. Everyone used to ask me that question. Do you work part-time on your business? And for you, is that motivating or is that uh, demotivating? It, it, I, I assume I know the answer to that. That just drives you crazy and your way you go, right? I just think it's ignorant. <laughs> yeah. That's all. It's yeah. not motivating, demotivating. I'm just like, wow, mm-hmm. that's a bunch of ignorant people who it has nothing to do with me. I know that. It has to do with their it's just the cultural yeah. norm, unfortunately, yeah. that your expectations, it's not expectations for me, it's expectations because I'm a woman, Yeah. that you don't assume that I am grinding full time on this business. Yeah. And you can put it right in front and say, look what I've done. And that's what I'm wondering too, is, is, is kind of what's next. I'm just so, I love the fact that you came up with something, turned it on, went through the hurdles made it successful and now you're growing it and growing it and growing it. And I think it's fantastic. And I'm wondering what's next. What, what hurdles do you see? What goals do you have? What problems do you see overcoming uh, to take your business um, to the next step? Well, now we have a pretty big team. And so it is not easy assembling the A team, Hmm. you know, and for me, I, I go about my business um, only working with A's. There is no room for a B in the upside. Only A's on our team. And I have no problem, you know, replacing someone if they're a B. B's still good, but it's not an A. So we have done a really good job of assembling that A team. And we're like right there. And we've got a great, a great team behind us. And with scaling, with growing your team, you know, it's a different beast now. Now I'm out of that solopreneur world and now I'm into scale world. How do you scale and still maintain the quality and the intimacy that our members have come to expect? So we've raised the price a lot over the years because we'd rather have fewer people who are paying more and are committed to being there than to do what most companies do, which is just keep scaling, scaling, scaling. We did the opposite. Again, it is not sexy. People are like, how many members do you have? I'm like, oh, close to like 200. Like, that's it? I'm like, yeah, well, because that's, they want that. That's yeah. what our members want. They want it to be intimate. So how do we keep that intimacy um, and and maintain that quality. And and what we did was we launched the accelerator program, which mm-hmm. does scale big it time. We can we can take hundreds of people into the accelerator and the quality actually goes up when there's more members mm-hmm. of the accelerator program. Um, but it, it's the grit comes also with how do you remove yourself from the value of the business? That is very, very difficult to do. What do you mean by that? What do you mean? Well, there's a reason the company is not AaronHelper.com. I didn't want a company like that. Yet I am the heartbeat and the soul of the company. And I enjoy being hands-on with our members and being hands-on with accelerator participants. But eventually, the company has to evolve in a way where I can go on vacation for two weeks and not check in. And that's what you meant about hiring the A's. And and I'm going a little bit long. I hope that's okay. But but I'm really interested in this. A lot of folks have trouble hiring and they have a culture and they want to keep that culture and they want to hire to that culture to do the things that they want to do. How do you determine the difference between an A and a B without trial and error? How do you know in advance who's going to fit? 
a lot of time it's the, um, so, okay, this is a very tactical piece of advice, but mm-hmm. we have a form anytime we have a job posting. We have a, uh, it's a Google form. It's nothing fancy. It's a Google form that they have to fill out um, to apply for our jobs. And um, we ask some trick questions. We ask some straightforward questions and it helps us determine the fit. If they can jump yeah. through our hoops and still yeah. make it out on the end, which you know we're talking probably 5% tend to make it through to the end. Yeah. Then you get the interview and then a lot of it's a personality fit um, because we're still a small company and then we make the hire. And so far, that's been a really good way to go about it. Um, I will also mention that my company has always been digital and always remote. So we did not change anything when COVID hit. We were already doing all of this. We were already on Zoom. We already operated that way. I have never, ever met any of our team members in person. And none of them have ever met each other. Even currently or or then? Still. Ever. We have people and we have someone in Portland, Seattle, um, Berkeley, uh, Tampa, two people in Canada, and one person in Australia. Wow. And when you have a global talent pool, you can really get the best of the best. How do you think you learned that? Kids today get out of high school and they go off to college and then they, you know, they, they don't know all these things that are out there. You've built this business in a very unconventional way. How do you know to go that direction and not just keep it the same old, same old? Well, I didn't want to pay for an office. Okay. First of all. Second of all, I didn't want to commute into New York City. I live in a suburb of New York City. So I didn't want to commute into the city. I didn't want to be tied to a desk. That's why I started this. I wanted to be able to work from a laptop. And the people who are the right fit for working for the upside are also those people. There are folks out there that are trying to decide whether to go out on their own. And the last question I'll ask you then about, about grit, what would you tell them? When should they do it? When shouldn't they? When should they have the confidence just to give something a try, even if they don't know all the answers like you did? And, and when should they say, you know what? I just need to sit in a safe place for a little bit until I come to that spot. What would that advice be? My advice, and I had mentioned this earlier in the episode, is you have to decide if you want to bet on yourself or you want to bet on a company, a corporation that you're working for. Which is the better investment in yourself or in that company, in that employer? To me, there's no other question that needs to be asked. And I, I'm obviously biased, but I think the investment should be in yourself. In yourself. That, that's what I think. And it doesn't take a lot of upfront investment. If you know zero, you can, there are programs like ours, whether it's us or someone else out there, there are programs and people out there who teach this for a living. Go out there, get the foundational tools from some of these people, whether it's the upside or somebody else. Get those foundational tools. It's a small investment. It is a drop in the bucket compared to what you get out of it, what the ROI is. So I say, ask yourself, do I want to invest in myself or do I want to invest in an employer? And if they can't figure it out on their own, I bet you they want to talk to you. How would they reach out to you to learn more about what you do, what you've done, uh, ways that you can help them? 
well, they should go to our website, which is be the upside. It's B E T H E upside, be the upside. And we also give away tons of free stuff on the website. So we give away a pricing guide and a business development guide. Um, we give away a great guide that talks about how to write a killer bio, uh, which you can use on LinkedIn that we give away so much stuff. So you can find all of that on our website, be the upside.com. And also we give away a lot of stuff on Instagram. Excellent. Before I let you go, I want to do a quick plug for my company. We are Spire Advertising and Marketing, and we do work with organizations of all different sizes to help them overcome hurdles and to help them get past the ceilings of revenue versus employee versus more expense in marketing. And sometimes it's just a never-ending wheel of loss. And, and what we try to do is help get uh, get you on the right path, strategy, digital marketing, uh, systems implementation, those kinds of things. So if you're interested in that, uh, we are at SpireAd. Dot com And I thank you very much. I tell you, Aaron, the reason I do this show is to motivate people. I think there's folks out there that are stuck. I, I started this show at the beginning of COVID. There were people stuck and losing and missing out and not sure what to do next. And I think that you are an inspiration. And I really thank you for sharing the story. I thank you for starting this business that you started. And I wish you nothing but the best because I think you're doing great work. So thank you very thank much you. for being on the show. Thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate that. Thanks so much. You're very welcome and good luck to you. And for everyone else out there, this is Dash of Grit. We do it once a week. Check out some past episodes, meet some gritty heroes like Aaron and, uh, and go out and show some grit yourself. Until the next time, win the day. This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. 